Welcome to Twice Born Podcast. I'm Mike Bailey. On this episode, we will be talking about uh, the freedom we have in Christ through putting on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. If you haven't already, please go to the website twiceborn.net and also you can see videos on YouTube and Facebook. And if you would like to reach out, please email twicebornministry at gmail.com. Enjoy. As we celebrate our veterans and we consider those that uh, went to places that were dangerous and put their lives on the line so that we could have the freedom, I think we can never um, really understand the cost of what it means to be in this room and to freely read from the Word of God, declare Jesus as Lord, and to speak these things without fear of imprisonment or any kind of uh, a kickback from any group that this is freedom that we have this morning. And we want to be thankful to the Lord for that and to those men and women who've sacrificed. Uh, both of my brothers, older brothers are Marines. So many of you that I know have had experiences that have been traumatic and challenging uh, because you were willing to take on those responsibilities that we so desperately need and are grateful for. So thank you so much. Uh, and today we recognize that we're all in part of a battle. We're all in a war, and it's a war that's unseen. It's a war that we're called to, to engage in every single day. We're told in Scripture, as we're going to look later, that we're to wear the armor of God. And today is an opportunity for us to learn and grow. What, what does that mean? How do I put on the full armor of God? Um, and then we recognize that to put armor on means there is an attack. There are weapons that are waging against you and me and everyone we know. And we need to be aware of these things so that we can live in freedom and we can live in peace and that we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. As we began the series, we talked about this uh, new kind of belief system, critical theory, and the differences between Christianity and critical theory and how important it is for us to know what's going on in the world around us, know the language of our time, um, and really to have a heart for the lost knowing that there's deception and there's falsehoods that are being shared as truths, and we are to love those that are, that are being misguided and, and to share the gospel and pray that they would come to repentance and pray that they would come to true understanding. And so our, our goal is not to uh, attack people, but to attack lies and things that destroy people's lives. And so we don't want to be woke, we want to be twice born. We don't think it's enough just to be awoken to the needs and problems of this world. We think all of us are spiritually dead. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you have been born of the flesh, now you must be born of the spirit. Unless we are born of the spirit, we are not truly alive. And, and, we, and to have a right relationship with God can only happen through this experience of being twice born. Today we're going to talk about the next steps. What are we to put on? And we're going to talk about truth and righteousness. Truth and righteousness. And uh, thinking about truth and righteousness, just those terms take me back to when I was a little kid. And uh, I used to put a cape on and run around the house with my arms up, pretending I was flying over the city and that I could run as fast as a speeding bullet. And I could fly and had powers beyond human expectations. And that I would fight for truth and justice and the American way. Do you remember that? Truth, justice, and the American way. And uh, I can remember looking at Superman and thinking, that's what I, and funny, I mean, this is a funny thing to look back on, uh, but I think about the fact that I thought that my parents found me, that I was in a space shuttle from another planet, <laughs> and that I actually had, I didn't want to go to the doctor because they'd find out that I'm superhuman. 
right? Because I had a lot of pride that I had to work through in my life. But I looked at Superman as a role model. I looked at Superman as someone, yeah, that's the ideal. No weaknesses. And, and not just no weaknesses, but was, was wanting the best and fighting for freedom and justice in the American way. Well, I found out um, that just within the last year, they changed this motto from truth, justice, and the American way to truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. And a better tomorrow. And they deleted the American way out of it. And to me, to me, there's something interesting about that. Because I really feel like we have lost our way. America has lost its way. And even its mythological heroes don't seem to know how to fix it. Don't know, don't know how to fix the problem. And so this morning, as we think about that, and then we combine that with Veterans Day, and we think about um, those military uh, leaders that weren't able to come back, weren't able to become veterans because they passed, and, and it brings me to the question, what did they die for? What did those men and women die for? What does that freedom mean? And what am I fighting for to continue on what they fought for? How is my life making a difference? How is our lives making a difference so that we can push people in the right way, the way that leads to life? And so as we ponder this question and we think to ourselves, this is, this is important, this is valuable, this is something for us to know and to share, let's ask the Lord to guide us in this conversation and let's pray to him now. Father God, we thank you for another day of life. We thank you for the peace that we have that passes all understanding. And Lord, the true freedom we have in you, that on the cross you set us free from death and sin. And so Lord, as we come to your word now, uh, we know that you breathe these words into existence and that we can hear from you this very moment of truth and justice in your way, Lord, the way that is true, the way that is right. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us um, to be strengthened by this, that we would have a, a direction in our life and a mission uh, to be passionate about, and that, Lord, we would see the responsibility we have to be light and salt, to share these truths with others so that they, too, may be part of your family. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd bless the reading of your word as we desire to know it well and to grow in it. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this idea of the full armor of God, the full armor of God, it's an interesting thing to me that Paul is the one that's really writing this to us. And here Paul is, most of his ministry, he's in prison. And in those prison, the guards were Roman soldiers. And this is one of the insights, I think, that God is giving us, the Holy Spirit showing us that God uses creativity in us. Some of you are very creative. I've got to know you. You're very creative people. And sometimes we think our creativity is something that we do outside of the church, not something we do inside the church. But I would say creativity is a God-given gift that he wants us to glorify him with. And here we see the creativity of the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul to take imagery of a soldier and then to give us a visual picture of what it is to be a soldier in God's army. And so he, he, he reveals to us the full armor of God. 
He says there's a, there's a devil, there's Satan, he's scheming against us. There's an unseen world where there are structures and powers and authorities. And in that, you need to be engaged in that battle. To be engaged in that battle, it's not enough for you just to run on to the scene, right? You need to put some armor on before you get in the battle. And so through this vision, through this kind of uh, creative approach to looking at the Roman soldiers, he's given us some visualization and some real practical ways for us to apply the full armor of God. And we're going to look at the beginning as we start here in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. And so Paul is saying, look, there's an enemy that's coming and there's an evil day. Now, is he referring to Revelation, to the, the final judgment of all mankind? Possibly. But I believe more so he's dealing with our day-to-day -day life. And as you would consider your life, think about how many evil days there have been. How many days that have been, that seem like battles. They seem like you were in a war. And I think for all of us, we recognize that life has a good number of days that seem like wars, seem like battles. And Paul is saying to prepare yourself for those days that we will all experience, you need to put on this armor. There is an evil day. Many of us have experienced evil days. We have evil days before us. Until the Lord returns, we will always have struggle. We will always have challenge. And so we need to be aware of that, and we need to re realize the need to put these things on. So he begins with the belt of truth. If you were to analyze a Roman soldier, you'd realize that most people in that time wore a cloth garment, and they would hold it together with a belt uh, that would hold everything uh, aligned, whether it was their, their weapon or it was all that was within them, all the things that they carried with them, the belt was the center point. The belt held everything together. The belt held everything up, right? And the belt representing truth. So we have to put on truth every single day. Putting on truth. When you got up this morning, did you put the belt of truth on? Amen. You know, the challenge is, I think there's two sides to this issue when we deal with the belt of truth. One, do I live a truthful life? Do I speak the truth? Do people know that I believe the truth? Can I share the truth? And then how do I understand the world around me? Can I see where there is mistruth? Can I see where there is falsehood? Not only is the belt of truth centering me and really bringing everything together and holding everything up, it's allowing me to live faithful to the Lord, but it's also allowing me to see the falsehoods of those things around me. And so I'm to put on the belt of truth every single day. And then secondly, I'm to put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
Now, if you think, what does the breastplate cover? It covers your heart, and it covers every internal organ that you have. And so for you to have life, you need protection here. Now, when we read this, we need to recognize it doesn't say put on the, the, the breastplate of self-righteousness, right? It doesn't say put on the, the breastplate of self-righteousness. It says put on the breastplate of righteousness. And what we have to recognize, this is so vitally important, is that it's not my truth. It's not my ability to keep truth. It is the truth of God that I'm putting on. It is not my righteousness. It is not my goodness. It is the goodness and righteousness of Christ. And this, here's how I know that, because there's a problem. There's an obvious problem that we all have to deal with. And here's the problem, John 8, 44. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his time. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. He, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so Jesus is saying, look, there's a family that you inter interact with every single day, and, and the father of this family is, he is the father of lies. And so we live in a world that is corrupted by lies. In government, there is lying. In, uh, in our workplaces, there is lying. In families, there is lying. In neighborhoods, there is lying. Lies and deception run rampant everywhere all the time. And so how do I then live in the truth? How do I know that I'm walking in the truth? And also, I would say, if you say you're putting on the belt of truth today, the liar is going to question you about that. Do we recognize that you, individually, and we, corporately, will be questioned about our truth? How can you believe such foolishness? How can you believe a book that's 2,000 years old? It's probably changed thousands of times. How can you believe in a God you can't see? How can you believe in this or that or this or that? How can you believe? How can you trust? How can you put? You're so foolish. You will be questioned about your truth. And that's a wonderful, for me, that's a wonderful thing that you'll be questioned about your truth because that will strengthen you and give you endurance and give you fortitude. But the second side, I think, is much more dangerous than the one we're struggling with is when they look at me and they say, you say you believe the truth, well, why do you live like this? You say that you've put the belt of truth that centers your life, well, Mike, why do you talk like that? Why do you act like that? You see, the enemy not only will question what we believe to be true, the enemy will question whether you are living out what you say you believe to be true. More people don't come to churches like ours because they know Christians that don't act like Christians. They're not putting on the belt of truth. No one is seeing truth in them. We can talk truth, but if we don't live the truth, the talk becomes null and void. And so it's a truth we must put on. It's a truth that we must engage with because we have an enemy that's going to attack every area of that truth. Another problem, Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but here's the prayers of the righteous. Do you feel righteous today? Do you feel like you've done the right things? 
Do you feel like you're the right person? Righteousness means being right with God, doing the right things, having uh, the right mentality about everything. Are you righteous? And then Isaiah 64, 6, and this is very convicting. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sin sweeps us away. When I was young, we lived, well, actually, it was in high school, we lived in Vermont, and people from all over would come to watch the leaves change because it was beautiful. But what they wouldn't stay for is when the leaves fell off the trees and they turned brown and withered up, and then you had to go out and spend half of your fun Saturday raking up those leaves. And you'd rake them up into a big pile, the wind would blow them again, you'd rake them up to a pile, they'd blow, they'd blow and you'd just be doing it all day and it'd drive you nuts. And this is saying, my sin is like that. Like as good as I think I am, all the wonderful things I do, how amazing I am, is like this leaf that shrivels up and blows away. Right? If I'm counting on my righteousness, I am in trouble because my righteousness is as filthy rags. So when I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness, I cannot put on the breastplate of self-righteousness. He's not telling us to purify yourself. He's saying there's something outside of you that must come to you and lead you and guide you and give you the righteousness. So what is God's answer? How can we be righteous? Romans 3.21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's only one place that we can find righteousness. You know, I can do a lot of wonderful things. I can give all my money to the poor. I can spend every day helping others. But at the core of that, if I do that for my own glory, if I do that so people will look at me and say, what a great person. If I do all those things so that my name would be lifted up as a great person, I have self-glorified myself and I have done a very wicked thing. Out of my own pride, I've made me the center of glory, not God. And so righteousness is not even just doing the right thing. It's doing it for the right reason. And you can only do it for the right reason if you belong to Christ. And so there's many people who do wonderful things, but they do it in their own name. And therefore, it's not righteous. We must do it in the name and out of obedience and love for our Lord and Savior Jesus. Because that's where the righteousness lays. 2 Peter 2, 21 to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Be, he committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. As I looked at Superman as a young man, I'm let down today because Superman has changed. Do you know who has not changed? Yesterday, today, or forever. The one example we should all look to, the one example I should share my, with my children to look to, the one example that anyone you have influence over should look to as a role model and example for life is Jesus Christ. He emptied himself of being in the place of God and made himself a man, lived an absolute perfect life, was tempted in every way that we are and yet did not sin and allowed himself to be put on a cross because of his love for you and me knowing that the only way we would be righteous with God, right standing with God, is through his sacrifice on the cross and resurrection. 
And so he's the perfect example. He's the one we are to follow. So when I get up in the morning and I, in my mind, am putting on the breastplate of righteousness, what I am saying is, Christ, I watched you, I study you, I've listened to you, I want to be like you today. Be my guiding force. Let your Holy Spirit convict me of sin and bring me to understandment and discernment of what I am to do. How should I talk to this person? How should I listen? How should I interact? How should I deal with this big question? How should I deal with this challenge, this choice I have to make? I look at the righteousness of Christ and I say, you lead me. I will look to you for my example. I will look to you for what I am to do because you are the perfect example. Verse 23 When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He gave it to God. The example that he gives us that's the most profound is his forgiveness. The greatest example is that whatever happens to you in life, that you don't try to be the judge, jury, and executioner. That you give it to the true judge. He was ridiculed, mocked, beaten to the point that you couldn't recognize him anymore. He was put on a cross, a thief's death, and yet he didn't retaliate, he didn't fight back. He allowed for God's true justice. You and I, if we're to put the breastplate of righteousness, if we're to engage in this battle, if we're to have any impact as the soldiers of today, we cannot hold hostage those in our heart. We cannot imprison those that have done us wrong. We cannot hold them as as prisoners that we have to guard every day. We must release them to God and say, God, your justice be done. I will trust you. I will not hold on to this. I will release it, knowing that your justice is much better than mine. What a powerful truth that every single day when you put on that breastplate of righteousness and you buckle that belt of truth, you recognize that he is the true judge and he will be just in all situations. Do you trust that today? Are you willing to give it to God? Are you willing to release it from your spirit? Verse 24, he himself bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Here it returns back to this this idea that we are sheep and we have a shepherd. Let me ask you a few questions. Who's responsible for the sheep? The shepherd. Who's responsible for their safety? The shepherd. Who's responsible for their direction? The shepherd. Who's responsible for their food? The shepherd. Who's responsible for keeping the wolves away? Who's responsible for protection in every way? The shepherd. Do you believe that today? Do you trust the true shepherd? Listen, when you're his sheep, he's responsible for you. Do you know how liberating that is? When you recognize you don't have to be successful, you don't have to impress, you don't have to make the world think you're great, you just need to be his sheep. And he's responsible for the outcome. He's responsible for the day. He's responsible for your safety and for your guidance and your wisdom and your understanding. He becomes responsible because it's not self-righteousness. It's not self-direction. It's not self-focused. It's putting on the righteousness of Christ. And he protects you as a shepherd, protects his sheep. 
Can you live in that freedom today? Can you live in that peace today? Does that joy fill your heart that there's nothing to fear, that we can go onto the battlefield that is, it is messy and disruptive and, and souls are being destroyed all around us with the freedom of knowing that we have life and that we can share that life with others? Do we have boldness that supersedes the boldness of the enemy? Truth and righteousness are not just for you and me. Did you know that? You're hearing my voice. You're, hopefully the Lord is speaking to your heart. Guess what? What he's saying isn't just for you. It's not just for us. The belt of truth is for every human that gives their life to Christ as Lord and Savior. The breastplate of righteousness is available to everyone you know if they're willing to repent and believe and become part of God's family. And we are told the only way that's going to happen is if we're obedient to the Holy Spirit. When we share the truth, we share it in love, but accurately share it in battle, knowing that lives matter. As I was thinking about this week in Veterans Day, it made me remember a, a book that was made into a movie that was very popular recently. It's called Hacksaw Ridge. In this movie, there's a young man uh, Desmond Dawes, that as a boy, he lives in a very dysfunctional family. And his, his father's an alcoholic. His father was in the military, well, well esteemed in the military, but lost heart and turned to alcohol and became very abusive and would beat his mother to the point where Desmond got so upset that he almost shot his father with a gun. That moment in his life was so traumatic that he decided he would never touch a gun again. He would never shoot a gun. And yet, the war began, and he felt convicted that God wanted him to go into the military. You see, he made a strong commitment to Christ as a Savior, and he wanted to be obedient. And so he joined the military knowing that he wouldn't hold a weapon, thinking that he could become a nurse and they would let it slide. But when it came to the time in the, in the initiating of his training where he had to get tested on his ability to shoot a weapon, he refused to do it, and he was almost court-martialed. Because of his father's high connections, he was released to go back in, not being forced to carry a weapon. But because of that information, the rest of his his soldier friends, those that were in his barracks with him, those that were closest to him, hated him. And they would beat him, and they would bully him, and they would belittle him, and they would question his patriotism, they would question his bravery, and he did not quit. He did not give up. He was sent to Okinawa to a battle that was one of the most bloody battles in World War II. In this battle, they were to climb a cliff that was 400 feet tall. And as they came over the ridge of the mountain, of the cliff, the enemy was waiting. The casualties were enormous. His troop was called to go over. They got over the ridge. Many of his, his friends, those that he had been with to that point, were killed. And the night would go on. And in the middle of the night, he, rec he recalls asking God why. 
Why did you bring me here? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? I followed you. You you told me to go into the military. You told me to fight. Why, God? Why did you let all these things happen in my life? And at that moment, a soldier began to whimper, and he realized there was a soldier alive. And he went to that soldier, and he grabbed that soldier, and he dragged the soldier to the edge. He tied, tied a rope around the soldier's body, and he dropped him slowly down to be rescued. Do you realize over a 24-hour period, he rescued 75 other soldiers? And as he's rescuing the soldiers, he said, God, one more. God, just one more. God, just one more. Do you realize... We've come over the cliff. And there, there's spiritual casualties around us every single day. Screwed all over the place. People dying spiritually. People losing hope. No, no reason for life. And we are called, just like Desmond Dawes, to bring the gospel to those people. And to get them over to life get them over to peace get them over to grace what if every day we got up and we put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and we said just one more Lord let me let me lead my son my daughter my grandson my granddaughter my nephew my niece just one more please God please one more One more today. Help me lead them to you. Just one more. That's what it means to be in the battle. That's what it means to put on the full armor of God. You see, we live the right way so we can point others to the right way. You live right with God. It allows you to point people to God. It's his righteousness that reveals his nature and allows us to share the good news of who he is. This is not easy. This will not be a simple task for any of us. Tomorrow when you wake up, will you put on the belt of truth? Will you put on the breastplate of righteousness? Are you wearing them now? If not, if not, we are told in scripture in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask, and God will give it to you generously. He is not a God that turns away from those who seek him. Ask God to help you to be truthful. If the battle in your life is speaking the truth or living the truth, you will not overcome this battle in willpower. It is submission, it's repentance, it's trust in Christ. It's seeking him through his word and prayer and maybe even fasting. It's repenting to someone else and saying, I struggle with lying. I struggle with not living out my Christian faith. Nobody knows I'm a Christian because I don't act like a Christian. There is no righteousness in me. To be in the battle, you need help. And there's only one that can help you. Ask the Father to help you, to guide you, to give you his language, the language of truth. 
Second, ask God if there's anything in your life he wants to change. Is there anything in in your life that needs changing? Something you've held on to, something you didn't even realize was unhealthy, something you didn't realize was detrimental to you. Ask God to seek throughout every thought, every action, every motive to see if there's anything that would keep you from him. And then finally, ask God to help you live the right way and share the right way. Because the time is fleeting. Night is almost here. When we enter our Father's home, there will be no more opportunities to invite. The time of invitation will be over. The battle wages today. The battle is for the souls of people. Their eternal destinies. It's up to us how we'll interact with that. For any person to come to freedom and peace, to be saved, to be set free from the consequences and the the judgment of sin, they must be twice born. Are you twice born? Do you share with others that they need to be twice born? Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you say something because you have allegiance that you are no longer Lord, but he is Lord. He is the authority. He is the guidance. You repent of the fact that you've been the Lord, and now you submit to him being the Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When you believe in your heart that there's life after this life, and that Christ has already overcome that, and your hope is in him, You then take on his truth and you take on his righteousness. Have you done that? Have you committed yourself to him? What is God telling you right now? What is God speaking to your heart about? How is he challenging you, encouraging you, and pushing you forward? 